Good afternoon and welcome to another incarnation of Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelari. Thank you, Eddie Aragon, for providing me this platform. Again, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. If you don't have the Rock of Talk app on Amplitude Modulation, that's AM, please download it. Jeffrey Candelari, tell your friends to listen to the show every Saturday live from 1 to 2 p.m. on 1600 AM. That's Amplitude Modulation. I'd like to recognize a friend of mine, a colleague, and someone I have fairly frequently on the show to give us an update as to what's going on, not only in terms of her industry, but business overall in general. And that would be my friend, Carol White. She is the president of the New Mexico Restaurant Association. Carol, thank you for taking the time to be on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thanks so much for having me, Jeffrey. It's it's always a lot of fun to talk to you. It is a lot of fun, and I hope it's also insightful and informative to our listeners. And and as you know, I try to be as extremely informative, enlightened, and and truly fair. Meaning, I try to restrict and eliminate hypocrisy as much as I can in my conversations because as you know and anyone that knows me and this show I detest hypocrisy and we try to dissect issues as fairly and as objectively as possible yes I do have a conservative slant but notwithstanding we try to talk about issues in the most fair objective empirically verifiable way as possible so with that thank you again for being on the show and for our listeners who haven't attended to you on this particular format tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what the New Mexico Restaurant Association, its function, functionality is here in New Mexico. So my background is uh, for 20, 20 years, I owned and operated restaurants in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, at the end of that uh, part of my career, uh, the job came available here in Albuquerque, and I actually grew up in Albuquerque. I was born in Santa Fe, raised in Albuquerque. I am a native. Um, and um, got back here, what the Restaurant Association does is we promote and protect restaurants throughout the industry, throughout the state. Very good. And obviously, your particular industry amongst the spectrum of businesses, whether they're, you know, in trucking, transportation, hospitality, you're within the context of hospitality restaurants. It's And it'll be, I can't believe we're coming on two years on what I call the Chinese virus. Your industry, a lot along the you know, along global lines, national lines, but here in New Mexico, which we're most concerned with, has really been adversely affected by the Chinese virus, right? We were the most shut down state in the nation for restaurants. Wow. Um, New Jersey was close behind us, but um, restaurants were shut down three separate times. We had to lay off our employees. And the last time we had a layoff was um, right before Christmas last year. And we're coming, up, we're coming up on... Almost in two and a half months or so, actually two years of of industries like yours being intrusively affected by governors. And that's the other thing that we want to remind our listeners, depending on what state you live in, last I checked, there were 50 plus the District of Columbia. You, whoever you are in those states, are either more intrusively affected by regulation by governors or less. So beyond federal, you know, holistic, what I call gestalt, uh, intrusive policy making governors like Michelle I, I won't even mention her last name I went to college with her that's my editorial uh, <laughs> uh, statement there for the for the hour she has been very restrictive relative to let's say Oklahoma Texas right yeah and even Arizona um, that has and Colorado so 
Um, yes, we were, again, you know, just every time she didn't know something, she shut everybody down. Yeah. And um, they did not do that in Arizona and Texas and Colorado. <clears throat> they had some shutdowns and they had, you know, mask mandates to a degree. But of course, in Texas, you know, they're, they were up and going after the first shutdown. Um, I think they shut down for maybe three weeks, like they said they were going to do to get the hospitals back in order and make sure that this didn't overwhelm the, the hospital systems. Um, they were open again, and they never did shut down again. We shut down three different times. And, you know, um, I heard something funny. It was the Economic Development Department touting the increase in the um, accommodation and food service. There's been a 40% increase in gross receipts this year. And it's like, well, yes, of course there has, you know, but they're touting this like it's, it's like brand new money and yeah. all of this. Of course there has, cause we were shut down last year. Yeah, right. And again, uh, you know, policymakers, I happen to be a Republican. Shamefully, I admit that the, but the hypocrisy on both sides of the spectrum are all over the place. But to your point, uh, your industry shut down, and when a restaurant has to shut down, I mean it—it's a complicated issue because their inventory flows are affected, their contracts with window cleaners and carpet cleaners and disinfection agencies. So it's not as simple as oh, we shut down. You know, the the switch is down. I mean, all these contractual obligations sometimes have you know implication too. I mean, the, the restaurant owner may still have to honor those service agreements and things like that. So those are some of the nuances the average person who isn't sympathetic to your industry maybe may not understand. Well, I mean, you know, those are all the the small details that we were having to deal with, but the, the larger details were our leases didn't stop. Yeah, we point. still had to pay for leases. We still had to pay mortgages, you know, and, and, um, Unfortunately, we couldn't afford to pay our employees, so we had to lay them off. And And I just have to say that um, for every restaurant I talked to, that was the hardest thing they did last year, was take these employees that have, some of them have been working, you know, 10, 20, 30 years for them, and they have to look them in the eye and say, we don't have any work for you. Yeah. You know, and then, and then I know, you know, most restaurants figured out a way to be in, in, during the pandemic. In compliance. It, well, in compliance and also, you know, just ways to get food to people, right? Yeah. So, you know, they were doing takeout. And I mean, I had uh, one guy, he, he was doing boxes of raw food. You know, so here's a box of steaks. You can take this and make a steak dinner. Here's yeah. a box of, of breakfast items. You can take this and make breakfast, you know, for two weeks. Um, and then he told me he was not open for Thanksgiving this year. Um, but he told me he had 200 boxes go out of just, you know, here's the turkey, here's the stuffing, here's the, yeah. all of that. So, so people are figuring it out. They're, they're, you know, pivoting, changing their business models um, in order to make this work for them. But, but still, it's been just, you know, a devastating year for right. our industry. Thanks for tuning in. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. I am Jeffrey Candelaria. My guest is Carol White. She is the president of the New Mexico Restaurant Association. And we're talking about uh, context. We're talking about nuances and details 
uh, in her industry that affect not only that industry, but us as consumers, because breaking bread with people is, is one of the most visceral, most human things that all of us enjoy, you know, breaking food with our friends, with our family, and socializing in those areas. And you talked a little bit about how restaurants have had to, and not all were able to do it, because for example, if you have a very Epicurean menu, like, uh, you know, Steak Diane or, you know, a tomahawk a ribeye served medium with uh, gratin potatoes, those kinds of foods, just remind our listeners, aren't necessarily conducive to transport because of this thing called time and the degradation of temperature affecting those. So certain restaurants and certain menu, uh, I guess, within restaurants tend to be more conducive to dealing with innovative ways to make their restaurant work would would is that fair I would say you know obviously I think I think it's obvious anyway that those restaurants that already had a drive-through window did fairly well last year yeah right but those restaurants the high-end restaurants where you might get a steak you might get some lovely shrimp or scallops or something like that they didn't do very well some of them that I know of just shut down yeah. because they knew they weren't going to be able to deliver the quality that they needed to deliver, you know, and part of what you do in those restaurants, it's the atmosphere. You're not eating at home. You're not eating out of, you know, plastic stuff. And so, so I think for the most part, you know, the ones that were really that high end that really couldn't figure out that pivot just closed. Yeah. And, and I wondered, you know, if that was going to work, it seemed to work for them. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. And we haven't even discussed, I know there are folks that just revile President Trump and all of that. I get it. But last I checked a year ago today, gasoline prices were about $1.40 less a gallon. Steak was 20% less in terms of cost than it is today. Chicken, 12%. So we haven't even discussed that element since Biden's taken over or, you know, a year of a year and a half, two years of, of Chinese virus. The inflationary costs to run a restaurant based on inventory, and I, I'm sure you're you're hearing about that every day from your 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 constituents, right? Yeah, well, and you think about it. So CPI, which is Com- Consumer Price Index, um, and I think it's up five percent, right? And so you think that's the inflation rate. Well, remember that CPI doesn't take into account neither fuel or food. And so groceries aren't a part of CPI. It's everything else. I know it's very strange. I don't know why that is. That's a fundamental element. Last I checked uh, the human experience eating. (laughs) Both of those things are fundamental to us, right? I mean, we can't get around, you know, without fuel and, and you can't live without food. But so CPI is at 5%, but the actual, um, increase right now for restaurants is somewhere between 10 and 12 percent yeah so we're looking at price increases i mean and i mean that's that's things coming into us are 10 to 12 percent more than they were last year or the year before right so now you're going to start looking at price increases you're already seeing it in grocery stores grocery stores are much um better about that (laughs) you know um they're more immediate they're more immediate they just change their prices on on their little stickers and I keep telling people don't print your menus because this isn't over yet. Yeah. Right. So, um, so things are going to be more expensive when you go out. Yeah. And especially if the idiocy of the build back better, which is really social engineering uh, infrastructure plan, it gets, uh, you know, it gets implemented. I don't think it will 
But if it does, you're talking about now another four to five to six trillion dollars introduced into the ecosystem, which means your dollar, ladies and gentlemen, straight talk on Jeffrey Candelaria, will be further devalued. And that's when Biden, in his idiocy, says it's not going to cost a dime. Not only is he not only is he lying, but simply ask the question. So that means another four to five trillion dollars are going to be printed and, and introduced into our ecosystem. All it does is devalue your ability to purchase that steak or that chicken or that McDonald's Big Mac in future times. Just keep that in mind uh, as we move forward. My guest again on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria is a frequent guest, Carol White, the president of the New Mexico Restaurant Association. And one of the reasons Carol's presence on the show is important, she's a, you're almost like an indicator as to how business and industry is functioning because your your industry really represents how how things actually work in real time so i think you're a really good representation the here's a good word for our listeners the apotheosis of how <laughs> our economy is running at any given time thank you again for that so how many restaurants have we lost thus far in New Mexico. Right. So we um, started out with about 3,500 restaurants in the state. We have lost 10%, um, so 350 of those restaurants. Wow. That, and that's a, a list that we have, that we've kept track of. We we don't know about a lot of other ones that may have may be gone, and we don't know about yeah. it. Um, but right. our or, verified or restaurants list, that have downsized, or maybe are only serving the public instead of seven days a week, five days a week. So those are other things we don't necessarily hear about, but that's still affecting revenues and taxation and all of that, right? It's huge. I mean, you think about it. Um, so, so that same study from the Economic Development Department that said we had a forty percent gain from last year. Well, duh, again. Um, they also said that we had an eleven percent gain from nineteen. Uh, 2019, which if if that's the case, they're not taking into account price increases. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like we're generating more um, food and and there's not more people coming into our restaurants necessarily. It may be that everything's just increased in price. Yeah. Um, but having said that, you know, you talk about restaurants that are closed for certain hours. I don't know any restaurant, and I and maybe fast food would be a, a difference here, but I don't know any restaurant that has the same hours it had pre-pandemic. Yeah. Most of them are figuring out how to shorten those hours. So when they would be open from, let's say, um, 11 to 3, they're now open from 11 to 1. Yeah. Um, you know, and so they're just, they're figuring out how to tighten things up because we don't have employees. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about okay, that all right, because yeah. I think the whole supply chain issue is is such a dynamic that affects everybody. And and that's why folks ask me frequently, again, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. My guest is Carol White, president of New Mexico Restaurant Association. Even my own family, particularly on my dad's side, you know, why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care about all these issues? You know, because it affects all of us in one way or another, if nothing else, our quality of life. So let me ask this question. Maybe I should have started out with this. Why should people care about restaurants' health? I mean, economic health and their service health. Why do you think we should care? Well, like you said, it, it is kind of a leading indicator. We are the canary in the coal mine. We are privately funded. 
There's not many businesses in New Mexico that are privately funded. If you think about it, everybody has their hand into either the federal government or the state government or yeah. city government. Everybody has their hand into something. Yeah. Um, restaurants don't. And so it kind of it, it's the it's that um, indicator for those businesses that are trying to make it on their own. Yeah. And the entrepreneurship. The, yes, yes, the entrepreneurs. You know, we've got we've we are the epitome of the entrepreneur. I, every single restaurant that's not a chain restaurant, and I've got to say, most chain restaurants. You think about a McDonald's or something like that, and you think, oh, that's a big corporation. Well, every single McDonald's in New Mexico is owned by somebody local. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a good point. And I want to talk about distinctions between chain and independent restaurants. And, and you already have begun to broach that. But, you know, I get criticized because, you know, I get all this, buy local, buy local. I understand buy local. Nothing wrong with that. I support that. But I also support Starbucks and other corporations, too, because last I checked, those people working there live here. You know, they live here. They are our friends and members of the community. Yes, some of that revenue goes to some corporate headquarters in Atlanta or, you know, Phoenix or whatever. But at the same time, these people are earning a living, and I think they are—they have a right to to work wherever they deem necessary. So, you know, let's be a little thoughtful about not being too negative about corporations either, because remember, the people that work there live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Eunice, New Mexico, Aragon, New Mexico, whatever. So. Right. Well, and 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 you usually have a chain of command there too. I mean, you've got your your employees that hopefully you're tipping when you're when you're right. seeing them. Um, but you, then you have, you know, the managers and the assistant managers and, and again, that, that supply chain of people, you know, um, there's a statistic that uh, 90% of the money you spend in a restaurant goes back into the community through wages and food costs. So, yeah. so a restaurateur, if they're doing very, very good, and they don't have some, you know, plumbing problem, they might get 10%. But again, a lot of those those owners are here in New Mexico. And if they're getting that 10%, you know, um, more power to them. Oh, I don't, I right? don't, I have, I don't, de, de, you know, degrade or begrudge any entrepreneur specifically, particularly the entrepreneurship piece that makes a lot of money. Because those were the people that at some point in time risked resources, energy, you know, their livelihoods, their lives, their quality of lives, you know, to, to create something called, uh, you know, an automobile or a radio or a restaurant or whatever it might be given, you know, the spectrum of time as we've come to know and take for granted all these technologies that innovation really provides because of entrepreneurship. Because when you have entrepreneurship, it creates competition within an industry, which creates an innovation, which means our quality of life gets better. So I, I, I really don't begrudge people who profit, uh, particularly the entrepreneur piece. So let's let's dissect a little bit further. Again, Carol White's my guest, uh, the president of the New Mexico Restaurant Association. My name's Jeffrey Candelaria, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. And by the way, if you'd like to sponsor my show, get a hold of me, jeffrey dot candy77 at gmail.com, jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. The in New Mexico, uh, let's talk a little bit about the percentage. If you have some thoughts on the percentages, even ballpark, how many chain restaurants versus entrepreneur restaurants do we kind of have 
in Albuquerque and in New Mexico? Do you have any uh, any metrics on that? Even if they're just relative uh, ballpark uh, statistical. Well, so so our membership is seventy uh, percent independent restaurants. Um, and we do have a lot of chains that are a part of our membership. So I'm going to say about 30% right now is um, the, the chain and or locally owned franchise. Yeah. And the other thing I want you to please remind our listeners uh, about regarding the business economic architecture of a restaurant. When a restaurant is suffering or closes down, you're not just closing down that place that you enjoyed as a destination. But you're also dismissing all those people that work there. You're also dismissing all the tax that it generated, right? But you're also dismissing all of the ancillary support, a lot of it local, like we talked about before, the people that clean the pavement there, the people that clean the windows there, the people that service the, you know, the, uh, the security system, the people that provide the food, I mean, there's they bring like, you linens, they, you know, right. the linen company, all of that. Yeah. And so, and, and I, I've got to say, I think some of those ancillary um, companies hurt more during the pandemic than restaurants. Restaurants have the ability to still sell a certain amount out of their, you know, door takeout. Um, but they weren't ordering half as much from that linen company or, you know, and so, so those ancillary companies really did. Um, take it in the shorts last year. Yeah. So again, just to remind our listeners, the restaurant itself isn't just not profiting as much. The people inside the restaurant aren't profiting as much. They're not making as much tips. They're not generating as much revenue, which means we don't have roads and all these other things because that's tax for the state. But also these other companies, the linen cleaners, the, the pavement cleaners, the security companies, they're making less profit too. All their staff is suffering. And so it, it has this multiplier effect across all these economic tiers or layers that sometimes we as just average, you know, New Mexicans maybe don't contemplate. Yeah, and then you think about think about how many people are in each restaurant business. Um and I and I mean just the just the people that it takes to run the restaurant. Um you know, we've we're the last bastion of service. I think I've talked to you about this before. Where else do you get somebody that opens the door for you? A hostess that seats you, you know, um, a cook that cooks for you, a server that takes your order. You know, it's it's all of these people that it takes. And, and there's not just one cook in the kitchen. There's five cooks in the kitchen, yeah. you know, and there's not just one server on the floor. There's 10 servers on the floor. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you think about the amount of people that it takes to run a restaurant. And, and then you think about going to the grocery store. And trying to find somebody to tell you where something is, it's almost impossible anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So you've got to know that grocery store inside and out if you want to know where something is, because you're never going to find somebody to help you. Right. And and then now they're making us check out our own groceries. Yeah. I mean, it's come to the point that there is nobody, you know, or or there doesn't have to be anybody necessarily in those stores. Um, Restaurants are not the same. We have a lot of folks yeah. and a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, get upset with the restaurant industry because they th- think we don't pay well. They think we, you know, abuse our employees. We don't. I mean, most for the most part. So one third of all Americans get their first job in a restaurant. And overwhelmingly, those people love the restaurant. 
loved the experience they got. And, and even if they didn't love it, they really appreciated the experience they got because it made them a better person. And they've gone on to make more of their lives because of the things that they learned. Yeah. So, it, you know, uh, and I've got to say, I'm very proud of the fact that we, we take those kids straight out of high school and we train them for something. Now, do they all stay with us? No. But if they stay with us, you know, we, we build them up, we pay them more, we, you know, make them managers, we, yeah. you know, they, they become, what, what is it that Taco Bell was paying their uh, store managers like $100,000? And that's not unheard of. Yeah. So. My guest, Carol White, uh, president of New Mexico Restaurant Association. Today, we're talking about why should we care about restaurants? And, you know, they they have suffered, that industry has suffered over the last two years for the Chinese virus and continue to really struggle. Uh, and, and why we should care is because of the very things you're talking about. Again, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Here's another thing that, that happens inside a restaurant. And, I, and I, I'm reminded of Origin of the Species, 1859, Charles Darwin, survival of... Not only the fittest, but survival of those that are most adaptable. You take an 18-year-old kid who maybe is, has been contingent on technology and video games and tied to a damn phone, and maybe social skills aren't so good. He becomes a waiter or somebody who works behind a bar. Now he's learning social skills with people called strangers. And maybe he or she, if he's smart enough or she's smart enough, and I still use he and she, by the way, on Stray Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, yes, men cannot have children. Quote me on that. Maybe he or she learns if I'm more adept at being socially skilled, I'm going to get better tips. So it's basically Darwinism in play at a restaurant. People actually are practicing this thing called meritocracy. The best waiter who provides the best service gets tipped better. That's meritocracy. That that's Darwinism at its greatest, happening right inside this experiment called a restaurant. <laughs> well, and I will say, some people don't appreciate, you know, having having to work hard for the money that you make. But well, but yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I do think that it gives people skills. It gives them those, you know, even if even in the back of the house, you have to have skills to work with a team. I mean, that is teamwork to its very core. Sure. And and again, these people don't stay in restaurants for all of their lives. And the ones that do, we move up, we make them, you know, I mean. Meritocracy happens at a restaurant. That's my point. It does. And whether we like it or not, I li- I'm in favor of meritocracy. And I wrote an op-ed about that. And I, I don't mean to digress, but this is important to stress this point. When a person who doesn't believe in meritocracy, Carol says, uh, oh, I don't believe in meritocracy. Well, guess what? If that person, God forbid, has a heart attack, they want the best doctor. So that's meritocracy. They don't want no, you know, a transgender who happens to be a doctor because they had to be a quota on three transgender doctors. No, they want the best doctor. So all of us, let's discard this nonsense hypocrisy. People want meritocracy when you're on an airplane with your kids because they want the best pilot. They don't want 18, you know, African-Americans because they had a quota. No offense. You can be an African-American, be a, a great pilot. But people, when it comes right down to it, do embrace this thing called meritocracy only on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candler. So let's segue to this thing called staff issues. And staff issues have affect have affected all of us in every industry, period. That's partly why we're paying more for, you know, our steaks, our, you know, our Christmas trees, because trucking, longshoremen, 
all these things, you know, there's there have been all these these uh, attenuations of distribution of of just everything. But in your industry, it has really been an issue, right? A very difficult issue, staffing issues. So let's talk about how those manifested as the Chinese virus first started. Because remember, our state, like a lots of states, gave people that extra unemployment check for a long time. It, I think it ended in September, but talk a little bit about this thing called staffing in the restaurant industry. So I think, again, we were the canary in the coal mine that, that was saying, look, we've got this big problem. And the big problem is we don't have employees. That, they're Like they didn't come back. And, um, you know, I mean... I could say that it's because we shut down three different times and there's a lot of folks that are out there that, you know, with the Delta variant and now the Omicron variant and now, now this, now that, they're just, they're gun shy. Yeah. They went back three different times and they got laid off again. And so they're not Well, they were come also back. being incentivized by states well, like they, New Mexico. That's what people don't recognize. Those folks not only got an unemployment check of, let's say, $400 a week, they got an extra 300, 300 for almost a year and a half. So think about that, folks. I'm not judging it. But if you're getting $700, $800, $900 a week to sit home, watch TV, I mean, that's de-incentivizing this thing called work ethic. And maybe that was an unintended consequences, uh, you know, to these policies by these mostly Democrats, but it has had and still has an effect. It is still affecting us. And here's here's the thing. I I absolutely we we advocated to get that money to those employees because sure. because they they couldn't work. We couldn't of course. You know, we couldn't physically bring them to work and pay them. So so we really wanted them to have that money. It went on for too long because by the time we needed them back, they figured out they didn't need us. They're, they've got a lot of savings now, is f- what I'm hearing, and um, they're probably because of the new variants and everything else. They're probably you, you know not going to come back. I think it would really help our industry, especially if the governor would tell people that she's not going to shut us down again. But she has not said that. She's leaving herself open to any opportunities that that may come up. Although. Although the uh, data and the science are now saying that she should not shut them down because she won't get reelected. Yeah. And I should know this next year, in a matter of weeks, is her election year, right? So she's going to be more amplified along her liberal democratic policy lines, whatever that means. It is just is what it is. Again, Carol White, the president of New Mexico Restaurant Association. I'm Jeffrey Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday at 1600 a.m. Kiva, 1 to 2 p.m. And I promise you, other people do not interview like me. It does not happen. Check it out. I ask straight questions. I editorialize, but I think I'm fair. And we don't discuss cliches on this show. People know that. So last I checked, October, based on labor, uh, a labor metric brought to us by our friends, the federal government, 4.2 million people quit jobs just in October along the along uh, our our, uh, our United States, uh, you know, along those lines. And you talked a little bit about this earlier. In fact, we just talked about it. Where are all those people that quit? And again, we're all conjecturing here. We believe, because I've talked to some many economists about this, those people saved uh, because they and you know they were at home. Nothing wrong with that. They got that extra revenue. What I'm also hearing is a lot of those people 
are maxing out their credit cards. Mm -hmm. And because living at home, watching TV, again, I'm not judging them. It's the human experience. It's kind of nice. You know, you're sitting at home. You don't have to go drive to the, to the place of business. And, you know, it's cold, it's hot, it's this, it's that. Eight hours work, 10 hours work. But at some point, those millions of people that still haven't re-entered the workplace, isn't that, doesn't that represent some economic upheaval at some point when the, you know, what hits the fan? Yeah. They run out well, of money? We're, uh, well, that, and that's, you know, here's the thing. The two things that I'm, I'm kind of hoping for is, number one, people are going to spend a lot of their savings over the Christmas holiday. Um, and number two, that inflation is going, going to get them back in the, in the workforce. But, you know, we may have, we may have outdone ourselves. Now, now, they're not getting the federal unemployment dollars anymore, but remember they are getting the federal child care tax dollars. Oh, I know. That just hit today. That's uh, right. Well, or no, yesterday. I mean, it's, it's been here. They've had it like, for months now. But the checks, I think, were just issued. I was reading about that. So that well, if you have 15 of, kids, you get a check for every kid, right? And a lot of people have been getting that all along. Wow. So, but here's the thing is it goes away December 31st unless they pass the Build Back Better Act. Which is not going to happen. It does not look like that's going to happen by December 30th. Another thing that's going to hit as of January 1, uh, 2022, actually, or I, I believe if I remember my history, it's really 2025, there was a mistake made by either Pope Gregory or Julius Caesar. Keep in mind, our calendar was arbitrarily changed two times in the last two millennia. Anyway, different show, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I read too much as a kid. But getting uh, another thing that's going to hit is student loans are going to be reactivated. So people oh, right. now have to repay. And remember, a lot of people in your industry are people in that world that, that were products of going you know, to school. Going that's to school. right. That's right. Now they don't have those loans to pay back. So well, maybe they, that's part of they're it. They're going to be, no, they're going to, they're going to they're have, gonna to, have be to start. They're going to have to resurfacing those loans. So the point is those, that population is going to have to generate some revenue somewhere. So uh, anyway, getting back to your industry, other things that have affected your industry, and I, I'm going to talk about liquor, uh, one of my favorite topics during <laughs> the holiday, especially good bourbon. And it's representative of how food prices have gone up and their shortages. And I was reading an article the other day that talked about why your holiday booze costs are going to cost more. And uh, a month ago, for example, across an average uh, restaurant uh, liquor store, if you went and purchased a bottle of, uh, of, good, of good bourbon, and this is really good bourbon, it was about $50. Now it's $20 more yeah. in the last five weeks for that same bottle. They were talking about, and it's not just a, a function of supply chain uh, issues because shortages of people, longshoremen, uh, truck drivers, all that, but higher energy costs, yeah, to your yeah. point, cost more to transport, you know, all that liquor from Long, you know, Long Beach to Kentucky. Tucson, Albuquerque or whatever. But also material costs, the packaging, all of that. So that's just an example of, you know, your bottle of good bourbon or six pack of beer, whatever it might be. But other, the other thing, so there's also a 15% shortage just in the liquor industry, which is part of your world. We've had so fifteen percent shortages in the country of of just 
spirits and, and liquor. So I was with a group of restaurateurs the other day, and they were <laughs> they, they were um, comparing what liquors they've been out of, and it's interesting because and, and and most of them were um, restaurants that serve margaritas. You know, and they're like, oh, my God, I, we can't get our Don Julio or they can't get yeah. this. I mean, they've had whole shortages like they cannot get it on their shelves. Yeah. And if they do get it, they get three bottles. And it goes immediately. Wow. And so, and yeah. And it's frustrating to the client right. who comes in as a destination. I want my Don Julio, da-da-da, with my girlfriend to impress her or whatever it might be, da-da-da. It's not there. So they're in, inadvertently or or by intention upset with a restaurant. Right, right. And that is, you know, that is something I keep beating the drum about is that, you know, trust me, restaurants don't want to be in this predicament. Um, but have some have some patience, have some grace, and understand that we are in the predicament and we're not getting out anytime soon. And so, you know, if it takes a little longer and and you know, I've I've been out a lot to restaurants. Yeah. Um, my experiences have all been fabulous once I get in. Um, but I've, you know, I'm looking at a 30 to 45 minute wait and nobody's taking reservations. And so, um, that's been my experience. Yeah. I know other people have had other experiences, but you know, I have to have a little patience because yes, they're not, sir, they're not seating all of those tables because they don't have the servers or the chefs yeah. one or the other. They don't have the, they don't have the capacity to serve them well. And so they're not serving at those tables. It's not that they want to make you wait you know, in line or, or outside or anything else, but they don't have anybody to take care of you. And so, yeah. again, have patience. Very good. Uh, guest today on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria is a frequent guest. Usually have Carol on every quarter to give us updates as to, you know, how business is looking, how business in her industry specifically is looking. She is the president of the New Mexico Restaurant Association. So if someone's listening who owns a restaurant or is thinking about you know, you as a resource and all the things you provide, what is your contact information? So you can get a hold of me at executive at nmrestaurants.org. Our website is nmrestaurants.org. Um, and there's lots of resources on our uh, our website, including a chat box that if you, um, if you can't find what you want on there, you can always chat with us um, during, you know, nine to five during the weekdays um, and get your answers. And you can call us, you can um, email us anything. And especially if you're a restaurant, we really serve restaurants, um, owners and operators of restaurants. We, we also serve, um, a lot of, uh, employees because we have our, uh, food service, food safety classes, as well as our alcohol server classes. So you, again, just to remind our listeners, you provide all kinds of training and education, like, you know, chicken has to be served at a certain temperature, basic fundamental chemistry rules, things like that, protocols that help people understand the science of food, right? So you provide trainings and things the of science, that nature. The science of food safety, really. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that should be a show of ours. We should, we should, uh, do a show with my food safety expert. I love it. Wouldn't that be fun? Cause I always, every time, and this happens frequently, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, my wife and I, uh, don't see each other that much. That's probably at work, why our marriage works, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> when we do see each other, we spend time when something goes wrong. I always tell her it's always physics. So the other day she's going to get upset, but I'm going to tell a quick story because it relates to science and physics. She runs a red light, which she never does, but she did. So I 
I didn't really chastise her running a red light because I'm a defiant guy. I like to break rules. But I said, next time you do that, if there is a next time, make sure you go left, create as much space as you can, because someone that that has a green light is you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mitigate the opportunity to ha- perhaps. Uh, have an accident if you create more space if you're going to run at red light go left to create that space between you and the and she got upset because i said it always comes down to science and physics (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I can see where she might you're lecturing no that's physics i didn't make the rules up it's just physics anyway get back to your point uh, other food shortages that the restaurant industry is seeing, obviously steak, uh, you know, chicken, things like that, uh, liquor, we talked about other things, uh, breads, uh, it, you know, other things. that Just about everything and for weird reasons. Weird. So okay. somebody told me the other day, um, a distributor said we couldn't get beans. And he said the, the um, manufacturer had the beans, but... You know how beans come in those big plastic bags? Yeah. No, I mean, like five, 10 pounds. We get them in very big bags. Sure. They didn't have the bags. They couldn't yeah. get those sourced. Right. And and they, you know, they were going back to anything. Just just what can we put these in to get them to our customers? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that takes years, you know, sometimes to get a new um, way to get things shipped you know it's just it's it's very interesting distribution yeah yeah it's very interesting how uh, how things are working and then of course you know without the the drivers and the trucks and all of that i mean it's because they're having the same problem we are the state has over 2000 employees that it needs right now and cannot find yeah. people to work i mean it's really not just the restaurant industry again we're just the ones you see the signs you know you see the now, now hiring, hiring signs yeah. um and then and, and again we were the first kind of to experience this and now everybody's experiencing it especially when 4.2 million people quit their jobs in october yeah and remember a lot of the a lot of this is self-inflicted. A lot of the Biden mandates, you have to wear a mask, you have to be vaccinated to do certain things. If you're in the trucking industry and you have to be vaccinated, a lot of people like me resist that. You know, there's not going to be as much as many truck drivers because they don't want to give up their right to basically have autonomy over their own body. So it's not just a function of fuels up and all the, I mean, a lot of this is self-inflicted wounds by the Biden administration. Like he shut down the damn, you know, pipeline, uh, New Mexico uh, generates something like $300 billion in, in, in oil and gas. He affected that. So all those people are affected. So now you're paying more for gas. I mean, all, a lot of these policies that those of you that, that voted for Biden uh, are self-inflicted. He imposed that. He artificially, uh, you know, provided these policies that I guess in his cognitively, you know, uh, you know negatively affected mind, he thinks are good, but they actually have effect. This is not you editorializing. This is me. It does have effect on why things cost so much, why we can't order certain things. We were talking about issues that we don't think about. Bottled water is being affected because caps for bottled water. There's a shortage of that because of manufacturing. You, we don't think about why is bottled water. A little thing like the cap, the packaging may be affected. So everything else is at a standstill. So that means the demand's there. So the supply's not there. So anybody that ever read Wealth of Nations, 1776, Adam Smith, supply, de- supply and demand, little things like that. 
The other thing that has affected your industry that I want you to amplify, again, Carol White, President of New Mexico Restaurant Association, Straight Talk, Jeffrey Candelaria, those restaurants that have remained open during Chinese virus have, because of these issues we've discussed, have maybe had to hire inexperienced staff people, chefs, servers. Therefore, the standards of excellence that we expected at that restaurant have been degraded, not through anyone's fault of their own, but because of these things we've affected. So then people have a negative experience and because social media is such a powerful instrument to judge a restaurant, people then negatively assess the restaurant. I mean, so talk a little bit about that dynamic, the social, you know, the social network, uh, uh, you know, impact, if you will. Well, again, if, you know, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you know, think about the bottle cap. Think about the things that they don't have. They don't have their experienced folks didn't come back possibly, or maybe they have a few of those, but not enough to really to work well. I had a gentleman tell me the other day that his his chef had been working for two weeks straight and and he was going to close down his restaurant for three days just to give the chef some time off because yeah. it, he was the only guy that knew how to cook everything on the menu. They'd bring people in to help him and they'd leave the next day. And we're having a lot of that. We're having a lot of folks, we give them the job and then they just don't show up again. Yeah. And that's, again, that's not just the restaurant industry. Oh, it's in all industries. It's in all industries. It's in all industries. And you had another point you wanted me to make and I was going down that so road. So would, would we have, so I remind people and I espouse people to consider something I don't like to do, but I, I do. I make an adjustment now when I go to a fine yes. restaurant because I'm trying to be more patient and understanding of what that restaurant is dealing with. And I, I generally don't like to break the rule of breaking that standard of excellence. That's another show, but I think New Mexico's last everything is we have very mediocre standards. But anyway, I do think we should be more patient and maybe adjust our standards a little bit when we, we do go to a restaurant or we do, you know, hire, you know, someone to service our garage or something like that. Not that we degrade the standard, but just be a little more understanding of what that industry is dealing with. Exactly. And and um, and I agree with you. I don't want I don't want our standards to be lowered in any way. But I will say that Right now, we just need to, it, it's it's like a new restaurant that starts up. Every single restaurant is like a new restaurant that's starting up that needs to get all of their systems back into place. We need to get the people hired and trained. And again, we don't have, we don't have the people, you know, that, that have been there for 30 years or, or 10 years or even three years. You know, those people are gone. And so now we've got all of these new folks that we're trying to train to that standard, but in a, in so many cases, the trainers are not there to train them, yeah. and the owners are working shifts, and yeah. they can't they don't have the time to train everybody that needs training. So, yeah. so you don't lower your standards necessarily, but for a little while, understand that you're not going to get that pre pandemic um, experience. And please stay off of social media. If you can't say something nice, don't, don't say anything at all, because really people are trying their very best. And I mean, I know of people who actually have quit their jobs because of something that was said on social media. Yeah. And so please don't do that. Yeah. Well, social media tends to, to be 
pernicious because it's groupthink, but that's a different topic. Again, Carol White, president of New Mexico Restaurant Association, Jeffrey Candelaria, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. on 1600 Kiva AM. If you'd like to sponsor the show or be a guest, give me uh, get uh, get a hold of me through jeffrey.candy77 at gmail.com. So you mentioned something interesting. We hope for a little while. It's going to be two years. And now we have these different incarnations of the Chinese virus. We had Alpha, Delta, Omicron. I was a Sigma Chi, so could be Sigma, could be Chi, could be Rho. <laughs> I think the last Greek letter is Omega. Let's hope we don't get to that <laughs> yeah. point. Uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, they are flipping. skipping letters just so you know. Well, yeah, because of Chi, Chinese, right, Chi, right? That's that was that would have been in the sequence, Chi, Chi, but they didn't want to whoever they is offend the you know, the dictator guy from China, Red Communist there. But we we don't really know when this thing is going to end because states like New Mexico tend to be so intrusively regulated. I mean, I go to Lobo games and people are wearing their oppression masks. Yes, I said oppression mask. And it's so sad because I conjecture that about 20 to 30% of the population, not only in New Mexico, but I think across maybe even the globe, are happy to wear their mask now, either because they feel it represents some superior, moral superiority kind of position, or they, whoever they is, believes it really works. Anyway, the masks themselves are interesting inside a restaurant because you can you walk into the restaurant with your oppression mask, but then you take it off at your table. Again, just a just a thought, whatever that means. So, what are some of the things? that you believe, you, Carol, that we're going to have to live with over the next couple of years with restaurants, higher prices, you know, menu attenuation, the diversity of menus, not quite what it was. What, what are some of the things you extrapolate in your industry that we're going to deal with over the next, maybe, maybe generation, who knows? Any thoughts on that? Well, I think the business model is going to change. I mean, you know, the the sit-down restaurants are going to become fewer and fewer because yeah. it's going to get more and more expensive to hire folks to do that. Um, you know, you go to California now, all of the new restaurants are the, um, uh, what do I want to say, uh, casual. So you go in, you order your food at a counter, and then you take your stick to your table with your number on it. Yeah. Somebody brings out your food. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think, you know, we've managed to keep a tip wage here, which keeps servers um, employed. But the minute we lose that tip wage, we will we will have this different model. And right now, you know, I'm even encouraging people who have the ability to do that kind of service um, to change their business model because it's going to make it so much easier in this takeout world, in this, in this, you know, who knows when this is going to go away, right? Um, and and the fewer employees that you have, the less cost you have, the more the more you can keep your prices yeah. down, et cetera. So, so you know, efficiency models efficiency, are, are yeah. going to be. Maybe the detriment of going to an Epicurean restaurant and having that atmospheric kind of experience where you order, you know, steak Diane Oscar style and uh, a bottle of Chateau Lafitte 57 or something like that. <laughs> so I like that stuff because I grew up really lower, 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 lower middle class. So we never even had matching china. 
So when I go to a nice restaurant, I, 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 it really means something to me personally because I, it's such an antithetical experience to what I grew up with. Uh, no disparagement. No well, disparagement and, and I've got to say that, that I do believe that's how everybody feels about about restaurant experiences. I mean, whether it's the high class or not, it's having somebody serve you. How nice. You know, I mean, and especially after, you and know, having a an year, exotic meal, something yeah, other than that just you, that you might not right. know how to cook at yeah, home. Right. Right. I mean, I was so tired of cooking and doing dishes during the pandemic that once restaurants were open, I mean, I'm in there sitting down every day <laughs> because that's an experience yeah. I love. Well, you know, to that point, and it's <clears> so it's such a fulcrum, such a fundamental point. When people go to any restaurant, I don't care if it's McDonald's or Ruth Chris or you know, uh, Elaine's in New York and Manhattan, it's destination food. Mm-hmm. I mean, so your Big Mac, if you like that kind of thing, or your, you know, Steak Diane, Oscar style, if that's your thing, you can't replicate that at home necessarily. Maybe right. you can, but you can't make a Big Mac at, at, at home. You just can't do it. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that palate is has a destination experience for that restaurant. That's what makes... Restaurants, notwithstanding the class that you use, the tier of the restaurant, so magical. It's the 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 palate, the sensation of the palate. It can't be necessarily replicated at home. That that destination menu item. Well, and then and then the atmosphere. You can't replicate that. Yeah. And 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 to me, what's most important important is somebody else is doing the dishes. Yeah. Good. You point. know, I mean, the minute I get done with my dinner and I think, oh God, I got to do the dishes. You know how nice it is to have that taken care of. Yeah. Very good. Again, we've got about uh, nine minutes uh, based on my <laughs> surmising time. I, as a Boy Scout, I was always able to figure out de- uh, you know, direction and time. I used to always want to work in the circus and guess people's weight. <laughs> <laughs> Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. I've got about 10 more minutes with uh, my friend and colleague, Carol White, President of New Mexico Restaurant Association. So as we begin to conclude... Uh, I think there was uh, some information here you wanted to share about uh, consumers making their shopping lists over the next few weeks. Yes, I do say Merry Christmas. I also say Happy Holidays, of course. So little, let's talk about some of these consumer propensities. Well, and I just want to say, because I know people are out there trying to figure out what to buy for Christmas. Is this coming out before Christmas? It is. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, today is uh, Saturday the 18th. Right, so 62, 62% of adults would like to receive a restaurant gift card. Wow, okay. So, um, you know, you can always fail safe, get them a restaurant gift card. Go to your favorite restaurant. They're, most of them print their own gift cards now. Um, 62% also would prefer one from their favorite restaurant, but 20% want to try a new spot, and 18% want to try a place they would never pick on their own. So it's usually safe to give a gift certificate from a restaurant. Keep that in mind so 18, as you're per, making I like that, purchases. I like that metric. 18% would like to try a place they, they never pick. And you know how my wife can do it to this particular point, which is kind of fun. Uh, it sounds silly, kind of fun. We we sequence, we, we interchange. One weekend it's her choice, one weekend it's mine. So when it's her choice, she chooses the restaurant, but I have to pay for it. When it's my turn, I choose the restaurant. She's got to pay for it. So there's that other economic dynamic. But it makes our marriage and, and, and our dating situation, everyone out there has a partner or whatever, 
kind of interesting because you can kind of like, you know. Let's... Do you guys really try new things all the time? We do. We try. That's it. nice. And I would say using this metric, about seventy-seven percent of the time, it works. Because mm-hmm. occasionally we'll try some Thai restaurant and it's just horrific. Not because of all this stuff, but the food's just not very good, or our mm-hmm. palate doesn't doesn't really appreciate it. But we, it's just fun to try different foods and, yeah. and let the other person kind of surprise me with where we're going. It's it, it's kind of fun. I need to do that with my husband because we're we're the couple that backs out of the driveway and we go. So where are we going? <laughs> and yeah. he'll say something, I'll say no. I'll say something, he'll say no. And then we're like, okay, then where? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just start driving. Got about five more minutes here. Uh, the I want to conclude with, uh, and I detest politics, but everything is politics. Everything, I don't care, listeners, everything you do and touch in the human experience is politics. We're all political animal animals. So let's end with that in terms of legislative session. New Mexico Restaurant Association, that's part of what you do. You bring information to policymakers to be more sensitized to your issues. Hopefully they're they're they they're favorable in terms of generating policy along those lines. Are is there an agenda the restaurant association, your board, has created and crafted that you're exposing the New Mexico legislature uh, to uh, regarding your industry? There is. And, you know, that is a big part of what we do for restaurants is the advocacy. And I just want to say that um, this year, you know, we've been in an industry, not just restaurants, but hotels, the entire and and convention services and events all of that is the tourism industry in New Mexico it was the second largest industry in New Mexico second largest private employer in New Mexico prior to the pandemic um, and so we're asking for some money to bring that back, some uh, marketing money for the tourism department as well as money for workforce development. Um, you know, with all of these new folks in our industry, we, we need some help um, getting them trained up. Yeah. And then also for those people that are in our restaurants and we're moving up uh, into, you know, uh, management positions, we want money to help train those. Um, and then we have a program in schools that I'm very proud of. And this is something that the Restaurant uh, Association does as well. We have a foundation and we do um, a ProStart, which is a high school program that's in 33 high schools. We'd like that to be in all 110 high schools. So th- those are some of the things. And then, of course, we're going to support anything that we believe is really going to um, have movement on crime, because crime is a real problem um, for restaurants. Um, and it's not just for citizens, but restaurants have a problem you know, with the homelessness and the crime issues here mostly in Albuquerque. Yeah. And breaking in, that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot property of break-ins. Crime, a lot, lot of, of break-in, property crime. A lot of break-ins are happening. And, you know, just to hit, touch on that tourism point, the reason why should we advocate for Carol getting more money and tourism for her is, well, if you have a New Mexico restaurant that serves enchiladas, really great New Mexico green chili, you know, a tourist from... You know, the Appalachians never had green hatch chili or really good red uh, chili sauce. That's why that's important. They experience real New Mexico cuisine. And that's, there are other indigenous cuisines, of course. Well, we're but asking, are, but that's important. And we're asking for like 25 million from the legislature. They have, I think it's $202 million in um, surplus. 
no, this is no, this is Texas has two hundred and two oh, million dollars okay. to spend on the same thing that we're asking. Oh wow! So Texas, of course, larger state, more populous, but ten times the money to invest in in that kind of market, and not as of. many beautiful places either. Oh yeah, because I mean, right? Texas, salsa? Texas comes oh, here. Texas comes here. So we got about a minute left or so. Any concluding thoughts? And please, part of your conclusion, your contact information again, Carol, please. So I just want to thank you, Jeffrey, for um, giving me this time and giving the industry this time. Um, you know, I again, I just ask people to have patience with restaurants, and and we'll get there. You know, we're in this together, um, and I I do believe that as far as you know, this industry and our customers have been just fabulous. Yes. So um, again, Carol White, I'm with the New Mexico Restaurant Association. Our Website is nmrestaurants.org. Very good. Thank you, Carol. I'll have you back on a couple of months. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Jeffrey Candelaria. Merry Christmas. Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria.